Morning Church, it is so good to be sharing with you this morning, albeit virtually I'm at our kitchen table, but you are so missed in person and I really hope that you're all well. We are now in our fourth week of a new series called Through the Exodus and we kicked off our series in chapter 13 with Paul introducing to us this incredible story of God's deliverance, of God leading the Israelites out of captivity and into the promised land under the leadership of Moses. And in week two, Chantel spoke to us about the importance of worship, about turning toward Jesus and abiding in him as our daily bread. And we saw how the Israelites, when faced with uncertainty, wanted to go back to what was familiar. But yet the freedom that they longed for was wrapped up in the unknown territory ahead. And it's a really important passage of scripture to teach us to not trade the freedom that Christ has got for us in many areas of our life and to trade God's best for what is familiar and comfortable. And last week, Brian shared with us about the provision of God, that God's provision is constant, that there is enough for today and enough for tomorrow. And Brian shared with us about how the Israelites' needs weren't just met in a physical sense, but actually God provided himself. And I absolutely love that, that in this unknown territory that we find ourselves in, for many of us that have more questions than we do have answers, that God gives us something greater. He gives us who he is. He gives us himself. And this week, we're landing in Exodus chapter 17 and 18. And we're going to briefly look at two accounts with Moses. And I want to encourage us this morning by telling us you are not alone and that we cannot do this alone. I want to encourage us that we are all invited in to be the church as God intended it to be. Not a building, not one place, but a God people, a family of God people scattered in community, living as one, but in many places. Outside of the four walls of church buildings, outside of four walls of the school that we meet in and empowered to go, just like Jesus did. So where are we now in this story, in this narrative when we reach chapter 17? The Israelites, under the leadership of Moses, are journeying through the wilderness after they have left captivity in Egypt. And they reach a place where they set up camp in Repidim. As if the Israelites haven't had enough opposition, at this stage, the Amalekites, these relentless enemies of Israel show up to fight. And we're going to pick it up in just verse 8. Amalek came and fought Israel at Rephidim. Moses has ordered Joshua, select some men for us and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow, I will take my stand on the top of the hill, holding God's staff. Joshua did what Moses ordered in order to fight Amalek. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. 
It turned out that whenever Moses raised his hands, Israel was winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek was winning. But Moses' hands got tired. So they got a stone and set it under him. He sat on it and Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side. So his hands remained steady until the sun went down. Joshua defeated Amalek and its army in battle. Here we have Moses, Aaron and Hur on the top of the hill. And Moses sends Joshua to gather his army together to go and fight the Amalekites. As long as Moses' arms stay raised, the Israelites win. But after some time, Moses' arms grew tired. And it is then that we read that Aaron and Hur take a stone, they set it under Moses, and they hold his arms and steady them until the sun goes down. And the fight for the Israelites is won. It is very easy when we read this passage of scripture to turn our attention toward what I want to call as the hilltop moment, toward the leadership of Moses, toward Aaron and Hare and the amazing strength that they had to hold Moses' arms and stand alongside their leader and intercede for Israel on the hilltop. And although scripture tells us that Moses' hands, as long as they were raised, won the battle, was winning the fight for the Israelites, the physical fight still had to happen on the ground. And I think that we can learn something really important from this, especially in these current times when the church building is closed. We as the church and as the body of Christ can pray and intercede and stand inside the four walls of the church building and pray for the lonely but it means very little if we don't invite them to sit at our table outside of the four walls. We can stand in our church building and pray for children who need a home to feel loved and valued and secure, but we need to open the door to our own homes outside of those four walls. We can pray for the hungry to be fed, but we need to set a place at our table. And we can pray for our communities to be transformed for God's glory, but we need to start knocking on some doors. We see here that without Moses, Joshua would not have won a fight. Without Joshua, Moses wouldn't have had an army to sustain. Without the army of unnamed men that we read about in this passage, Joshua wouldn't have had an army to fight with. And without Aaron and Hare, Moses wouldn't have had the strength to hold his arms to sun went down. This passage is a beautiful and yet powerful illustration of how we 
all need each other in the kingdom of God and in the body of Christ to strengthen each other, to pray and intercede for each other, to fight for each other, to hold each other up when we're tired and weary and to lead each other to the win. We cannot do church alone. We were not designed to, and God has not intended us to live in isolation. I wanna ask you this morning, I wanna ask us this morning, who is holding our arms up? And whose arms are we holding up? Can I encourage you that if you don't know where to start with this, that life groups are a great place a great place to strengthen each other, to pray for each other, to live in community with each other, to fight for each other and hold each other up when we're tired and weary and to lead each other to the win. We see two types of leading here in this passage. We see Moses leading from the hilltop and we see Joshua leading from the ground. God calls each of us to lead in some capacity. He may not call each of us to the same leadership of Moses, but he does call each of us to faithfully lead in the area and in the space that he has us inhabiting. If you are a parent, you lead your children every day. If you are a teacher, you lead your students. If you are in business, you lead your customers. If you are a health professional, you lead your patients. If you are a student, you lead your friends by example every day. Can I encourage us this morning that while the church doors are shut, to not wait for the titled ministry to start back up, but to start to serve, to reach out and to lead from the place that God has placed you in right now. We just need to look at the life of Jesus and how he led from the most humble of places. He didn't seek out a platform to lead from. He didn't wait for the masses of crowds to come before he led. But instead, he sought a place to sit. To sit with the lonely and the marginalized. To sit with the sick and to sit with his neighbor. We see through the life of Jesus that he never intended to keep a separation between our personal life and ministry, between home and work, between inside the church building and outside the church building. And actually that this separation is unbiblical and impossible. And we need to see that when we begin to close that gap, when we begin to close the gap between our personal life and our ministry life, that actually the sharing of the gospel becomes a sharing of life. And that happens in and through community. God is glorified in the pot of pasta, faithfully placed on someone's table. He is glorified each time we look into a stranger's eyes and acknowledge that person's humanity. He is glorified when we knock on our neighbor's door. And he is glorified when we put our focus on him instead of focusing on our lack. We are all empowered to go, 
not because Paul and Chantel implore us, even though they do, but because Jesus did it first and we lead by his example. So whether you're on the hilltop leading, whether you're alongside those leading on the hilltop and holding their arms up in that capacity, whether you identify with the Joshua's leading on the ground, or whether you identify with the mass of Onya men that Joshua and Moses could not have done without, we all have a part to play in the kingdom of God, and we are not alone. 1 Corinthians 12 illustrates this beautifully when it talks about the body of Christ. We are one body, but many parts. Each one of you is a part in it, and we all need each other. The message says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part shares in its joy. I love that. And it brings us on to chapter 18, where Moses meets with his father-in-law. And we see this conversation that Moses has with his father-in-law and he begins to tell his father-in-law all of what God has done for the people of Israel. We then read in chapter 18 of verse 12 that his father-in-law brings a whole burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron and elders of Israel come and eat the meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. But the next day, Moses takes his place to judge the people, morning through tonight. And his father-in-law recognizes what Moses is doing. And he says to Moses, what's going on here? Why are you doing this yourself? Moses answers and says, because people come to me with questions about God. When something comes up, they come to me. I judge between a man and his neighbour and teach them God's laws and instructions. And then his father-in-law says this. That is no way to go about it. You will burn out and the people right alongside you. This is way too much. You cannot do this alone. His father-in-law continues to instruct Moses on how to empower the people that is surrounding Moses to do the work that Moses is doing. And in verse 23, in the message, it says this, They will share your load. That will make it easier for you. If you handle the work this way, you will have the strength to carry out whatever God commands you and the people in their settings will flourish also. Here we have this picture of Moses carrying all the work and his father-in-law comes along and rightly advises him to empower others to do what he is doing. This passage again shows us what we have already looked at in chapter 17, that the church does not and cannot function and thrive on one person doing all the work or one type of leading, that we each have our own part to play, one body but many parts living in and through community that we are all in part to go, to carry the load, to step up and to do the work. But what I love about this passage 
is that it gives us two illustrations of how this can go. Firstly, we see in verse 17 that Moses, one leader, can do it all. But the people burn out right alongside him. Or we can see in chapter in verse 23 that we can all share the load as the body of Christ in the church of Christ. So leadership then have the strength to carry what God is calling them and commanding of them. And in turn, the church, you and me, will flourish in our sins. This is an invitation for others to step up and lead, to avoid burnout and to allow everyone to play their part in the kingdom of God and in the church as God intended it. We cannot do this alone. We cannot do church alone. And we are empowered to go. We are empowered to be the church now, not just go to church anymore. It is not enough to just go. God is calling us to be. We are empowered through the example of Jesus and through the leadership of Paul and Chantel to live in community together and live out community. One body, but many parts. Your part, you are needed. You are significant in the kingdom of God, right here and right now. Not just inside the four walls of church, outside in the community. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word, that it is good, that it is rich, and it is full of truth. God, I pray that right now, whoever is listening to this message, that you, you awaken something in them and empower them to go. God, I pray that you quicken their spirit to look beyond the four walls of church, beyond where they're sitting right now, into the community, to live in and through what you're doing. And God, I pray that you give each of us strength, that you give us each the wisdom of where to look, and each of us the knowledge and where to go, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.